This is a Soulfire production. Welcome to my channel. I'm your host, Christina. I'm an intuitive channel, 7D healer, business mentor, and manifestation expert. On this podcast, we discuss how to tap into your intuitive gifts, manifest the life you want, create a kick-ass business in flow, and take a holistic approach to health and wellness. Don't forget to connect with me on Instagram at ChristinaTheChannel and on my website, ChristinaTheChannel.com. Today's guest is one of my favorite humans in the world and someone that I think every entrepreneur should learn from, my friend Alex Kuhn. Alex is the founder of Born to Lead, and he helps coaches build six, seven, and eight-figure businesses. Alex is very modest about his success. He has built a number of very successful companies. In the last three years, he's had over 200 clients at least double their businesses within one year. His clients generated over $30 million in the last three years alone. He's been featured in Forbes, Entrepreneur, BuzzFeed, and he regularly speaks to over 15,000 entrepreneurs every single week. And Alex talks all about finding your success DNA, which basically is about how to build your business around your unique innate leadership gifts. He talks a lot about leadership and why developing your leadership skills is so crucial in building your business. And what I love about Alex is he is so heart-led and he supports other entrepreneurs in building heart-led, very successful businesses as well. I think a lot of people want to build very successful businesses, but they forget about the leadership part and he leads with the leadership part. And he talks all about in this episode why it's so important to develop yourself as a leader. We talk about group programs versus one-on-one. We talk about the differences energetically between building a six, seven, and eight-figure business. There is so much gold in here, and Alex has a special gift for everybody he'll tell you about in the episode, and it will also be in the show notes. And if you want to learn more from him, you can find him on Instagram at alexkuhnco, and his website is alex-kuhn.com. He is someone I admire and respect so much. He's one of the kindest humans I have ever met and truly making this world a better place. You are going to get so much value out of this episode. And if you enjoy it, make sure you let him know. I'm sure he would appreciate it. He is very much an expander for me. So hopefully he does the same for you. We also talk about building a business led by intuition. And if you are looking to tap into or up-level your intuition. If you want to become a master at manifestation, an effortless manifester, be supported in some of the deeper work, the brain rewiring, the inner child healing, and dive into all the woo-woo stuff in a really grounded way, in a way that's applicable to your life and can help you expand in business, finances, relationships, sole purpose, then don't forget to check out my up-level membership. There are hundreds of video trainings and exclusive blog posts, all the resources you need to do just that. All of my exclusive channel messages are in the membership and we have monthly Q&A calls where you can ask anything, connect with other members of the community. We have monthly manifestation activations that are so much fun. And then of course, the amazing community. 
It's a very expansive container and I would love to see you there. So if you want to check it out, just head to christinathechannel.com slash membership. And if you are interested in receiving 7D Ahai healing, check out my 7D healing circles. I do one healing circle a month and one intuitive guidance circle a month. So one is more focused on the 7D Ahai healing. It's in a small group setting. They're really powerful, magical containers. And the other is focused more on receiving intuitive guidance where you can ask your personal questions. So if you're interested in either of those, head to christinathechannel.com slash services and you can book there. Like I said, it's a small group setting. So there's a limited number of spots and people usually book ahead of time. So check it out if you want to give yourself that gift this holiday season. All right. If you are ready to learn how to develop yourself as a leader and build a heart led business that is very financially successful, then enjoy this conversation with Alex. I just got a new pair of blue blocks, blue blockers, and I am obsessed with them. I got the Hudson frames, the blue light for daytime. If you work on your computer all day long, the blue light glasses from blue blocks are a must if you want to prevent migraines, headaches, digital eye strain, macular degeneration. I notice that my head hurts so much if I don't wear my blue blocks. I wear the blue light lenses during the day. If you want some color therapy, you can also go with their summer glow. This is best for people who work under more intense artificial lighting. And if you struggle with seasonal depression, especially at this time of year, they have a slightly yellow tint. So you are getting that protection from the blue blockers plus the color therapy. And of course, in the evenings, the sleep plus red lenses. This is the only true 100% blue and green light blocking lens on the market for after sunset use. I've tried so many blue blockers before and I did not experience the same results that I experienced with blue blocks. This company really understands the science behind this. If your lenses are orange, you are not completely blocking yourself from the full spectrum of blue and green light that we want to block after sunset when the sun goes down in order to protect our sleep and balance our hormones. You will notice a huge difference if you switch to the Sleep Plus red lenses. These are a must if you struggle with your sleep, if you have a hard time getting to sleep, staying asleep. Also, if you have low energy during the day, if you feel like you're not that productive during the day, if you struggle with any headaches, and also if you notice imbalances in your mood like feeling cranky, sleepy, tired, and if you have imbalanced hormones. So if you're looking to balance your hormones naturally, it's so important to optimize your sleep, of course, and optimize your circadian rhythm. And a big piece of this is wearing blue blockers. It's a simple thing to do. Everybody can do it. And blue blocks is the best. They have so many different frames that you can pick from. They have about 20 different frames. You can also send in your own frames and they can turn them into blue blocks for you. And they have a custom-made prescription service available as well. And I will tell you, I always get compliments on my blue blocks. I love their glasses. If you do not yet have a pair of blue blocks, if you don't use blue blockers or if you have any other brand of blue blockers, I am going to tell you, you need these in your life. You can check out all of their frames, learn about the science behind the brand by heading to blueblocks.com. That's B-L-U-B-L-O-X.com. And you can use my code wellness, W-E-L-L-N-E-S-S for 15% off. Again, that's blueblocks.com. And you can use my code wellness, W-E-L-L-N-E-S-S for 15% off. And when you get your pair, make sure you tag me on social media so I can see what pair of frames you got. Alex, thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited to chat with you. And my first question for you is how did you go from 
swim coach to where you're at right now? Yeah, it tells you you know me really well, right? Because usually the first question I'm going to ask is, how do you, well, tell me your story, but I love that you asked me that. And uh, first and foremost, it's just, I love being here, Christina. So first and foremost, thank you for having me on your show. (laughs) And uh, the story is, is that, you know, my whole life growing up, I was a swimmer. And, you know, ironically, I always tell people that swimming didn't become a passion of mine until I actually tore my ACL when I was 12 years old and I couldn't play baseball. But that was the, you know, obviously looking back on it. Yeah, it was devastating at that time in my life. But looking back, it was also the best thing that happened to me because it really got me to focus on being healthy and working out. And it got me to focus on swimming, which was kind of like the other sports that I was doing at the time, which ultimately ended up turning to be my passion, you know, to the point where I left house. I left my house when I was like 13 or 14 with my parents' blessing to pursue my Olympic dreams. I actually went to another high school, like my senior year of high school, to train with some Olympians and some of the best coaches in the world. Um, and obviously, I never, well, I never got to the the goals of being uh, the Olympian. I um, it definitely helped me get my first career going, which was as a college swim coach and actually becoming one of the youngest swim coaches at the age of 23 when it comes to being head coach at the college level. Um, but you know, about seven years into it and doing really well, I just, you know, Christine, I think we all have that impact. We want to make a difference. We want to serve the world. And I always just had this desire. I remember as a kid listening to Tony Robbins and Zig Ziglar and all these motivational speakers. And I just, I always remember as a kid, like I thought that was just the most incredible thing was to be able to command an audience, to be in front of a stage and to be able to just use your words to just motivate people and get excited and just literally have people just stop and just watch you. I thought that was the most coolest thing. And I can remember, you know, at the age of 30, I said, you know what? I mean, either I'm going to continue this swim coaching thing, or I'm really going to go after this. I had no idea what it even was. I just knew it was like, Hey, is it a motivational speaker? Is it my own business? I had no clue what it was, but I said, you know what? I'm going for it. I got no kids at the time. I got no really other other than swim coaching. I was like, you know what? This is my shot. And eight years later, here I am today doing what I, I love and, you know, working with incredible business leaders all over the world. Okay. I have lots of questions. First of all, so were you the kid that hung out with the adults? I, you know, I was, I, I was always like the parents' favorite kid. Like, oh always, yeah, you like, were. <laughs> yeah, I, I was, I was, I always had the friend that the parents were like, will you hang out with Alex? Because Alex is a good, he's a good egg there. Like you gotta stay around him. And I remember, I remember thinking to myself, like, I'm not that good of an egg. I'm, I'm kind of a bad boy, but I never was. That's just BS. There's no way I ever was, but uh, yes, yes, very much so. You're, you're the best. You crack me up. Yeah. I'm like, most kids are not listening to Tony Robbins. I, at my first book, literally my first book that I can remember, I actually only read two types of books. I read a lot of business books. Like my favorite business book I read when I was nine years old was called How to Win Friends and Influence People. And <laughs> you did? I did. It's <laughs> literally on my bookshelf. And oh my uh, you might appreciate this. Um, R.L. Stein books. So Goosebump books. So those were literally, I would read a business book and then a Goosebump. Business book and a Goosebump <laughs> there. It's that creative mind. I love that. Mm-hmm. Well. I mean, did you feel like the oddball out? I know for me, I definitely did. Always misfit, mm-hmm. uh, trail. Like I'm not. I always use now. We use these words like trailblazer and you know entrepreneur. But at the end of the day, you just. I think that, and I don't know if you can appreciate this, but I always, I was always a misfit, and I always never really kind of fit in. 
but I also got along with everybody else at the same time. Like it wasn't as if like I was, you know, just like this out in the woods, like doing my own thing. Like I would hang out with people here. I would do this there, but I just kind of like, and I see this always in you when I always talk with you. It's just like, Hey, I I just go to the beat of my own drum and that's Mm -hmm. how I'm going to do life. And it doesn't matter what anybody says. And to maybe it's a blessing in disguise, but sometimes I get such tunnel vision that I'm sure that I was picked on and made fun of and, and I didn't have friends a lot at the time, but it never really bothered me. Like I never looked at it and said like, like poor me, or I felt bad, or I went home crying. It just, I, I had a vision. I just knew what I wanted that day or that week or whether it was swimming or school or, you know, now being doing what we're doing today. Yeah. And I mean, I think it's helpful for people to, to hear this because I think there are a lot of people listening to this who feel like a misfit now or can connect with that when they're younger. And I always feel like everybody who's attracted to me has felt like that, you know, and I find that it's often the people who are meant for like, just who have the biggest visions who grow up feeling that way. Yeah. That's why I love that you actually changed the show name to Christina, the channel, because it's like, like, what is this, this channel about? What's this episode? It's, about, it's Christina. Like, I mean, like, it's not like she's not an entrepreneur. She's not, it's just, Chris, it's freaking Christina. She's the best. Like, that's the, that's like how you almost know you're a misfit because nobody can literally describe you. You're just your Alex, you're Christina, you're whoever. And that's, those are the people I love being around. I mean, they're more of the most fun people. And I know I'm being a little bit facetious when I say that, but we are, I think it's great. The type of people that we attract. I, I agree totally. It's like everybody who, cause for people listening, like I met Alex through Abby and it's like everybody who is in that little group is such a, like Alex, like it's just so Alex, you know, <laughs> like, which is so, so cool. Um, but I think, you know, just a reminder for people listening, if you feel like you're the oddball out, it's probably because you think a little bit differently, maybe in a better way or a much better way. So that's how I think of it. And I wanted to ask you more about getting trained with other Olympians and what that experience was like. People always ask me about that. And what I always tell people is that the people that I actually train with, I mean, there were people and there was one individual that ended up doing amazing. You know, he went on and, and achieved some gold medals. And now he, I think he's actually the head coach of the University of North Carolina. I mean, he's had an incredible career, you know, one of the best, you know, the type of person who was on Michael Phelps relays, you know, that type of guy. But when you met him and when you saw him and you compared him to all the other swimmers, I think this is what is so fascinating, so interesting in all areas of performance is that he was not the most talented. Mm. And I don't even know if he was the hardest working person, but, and I don't know if he had the best mindset. He just was able to put it all together. Like he just knew himself. Like he was just so confident and really stayed in the moment. And here, here's a, here's a great story. So I want you to imagine there was like, I, and by the way, I went from the team, the team I went from, I was like the number one swimmer and I went on this team that was a number six swimmer. So it was a little bit of like a OMG moment where I was like, I don't, what am I doing? I'm literally getting my butt kicked every single day. But uh, there's, there's this great story I love about Mark. And so there's all these amazing Olympian swimmers and we played this game called sharks and minnows. And basically all it means is that there's sharks on the one side and minnows on the other side. And the sharks have to grab the minnows and bring them back to the surface. And if you get caught, then you become a shark. So I remember everybody was a shark, but Mark, literally 30 swimmers, five Olympian, all these amazing people are on the other side. And there's Mark. 
And we're like, okay, let's just go get him. One, two, three, go. And so I remember everybody goes to the bottom and grabs him. And Mark gives up. He's like, I give up. He's like, you know what? You got me. You got me. So some of us swam away and some of us swam away. And all of a sudden, there was only one person holding Mark before he got to the surface. And that's when he made his move. He like literally outfold us and he was able to beat all 30 of us and still stayed, quote unquote, the minnow in the game. But that was Mark. And that to me is that like it factor that I saw in those Olympians, the people that just, it wasn't talent. It wasn't skill. It wasn't this mindset. It was just literally this said, I will figure out a way. And that's how I saw Mark. And I think that's why he's having the most incredible career as he is today. And many people that are doing well. So how has that translated over into your businesses? I, you know, there's so many ways that it translates, but I always tell this is that the one thing I go back to time and time again, is that whatever your intention is, you have to put attention to it day in and day out. And a lot of times I think people aren't willing to, we talk about hustle and we talk about grind and I'm not a big believer in those things. I'm a much bigger believer in alignment and resonance and intuition and really following what you truly believe. But I do believe that one thing that you have to ground yourself in is what is that intention? What, where are you going? Call it vision, call it goal. And uh, I have a lot of opinions and I know you do as well on this subject, but you do have to find a, a, a sticking point that becomes the epicenter of all the activities that you're doing. So many people that I see work with, they have, I mean, there's way more talented people than I am. There's way more charismatic and funnier and harder working. And they've got all the, the, the traits and skills to succeed. But I find the reason that time and time again, is that what I've learned is that, listen, if I continue to ground myself and dig deeper into this area that makes me successful and where I want to go, then everything else seems to revolve around it. And it's, it allows me to not get caught up in comparing myself to where other people are in business. It doesn't, it get, allows me to not start doing things that are like, quote unquote, like the new, like silver linings or the new ways to market your business. And so I think at the end of the day, what it's allowed me to do is it's allowed me to build, you know, the keyword, a lifestyle business that really allows me to, you know, do the things I want with my family, do the things I want with my son, but also more importantly, to continue to grow in the direction I want to go with my business, because I've been able to stay so clear and so concise in what I really want to be. Okay. I love that. And you're way, you're way too humble. Like it's, it kills me. I, I'm curious, what, what do you think are your biggest strengths that you can play to? To me, for me, I think, and this is something I always tell people that the best way to know what your strengths are is to find out what a other people growing up told you they really liked about you or seemed to come naturally, but also the things that annoyed people about you when you're growing <laughs> up. <laughs> and so when I was growing up, I always had a way of getting out of trouble. If I, I didn't get in a lot of trouble, but if I could get away with something, if you ask my sister or brother, they would say, Alex was always able to get away with everything. It didn't <laughs> matter what, like he literally could get away with stuff. Every time it came to, as you said, did adults like me, were they my friends and stuff like that? It was always just like, you know what? Even though Alex was part of the problem, we're still going to give him a, a B or an A, <laughs> even though he deserved a C or D. So for me, you know, one of the skills I have is, you know, in my world, I call it a motivator. And it doesn't mean I'm a big rah-rah guy. It doesn't mean I'm like going to be screaming at the top of my lungs like a, you know, Tony Robbins or any of those motivational speakers. But I think what my natural innate gift is this ability to get people to buy in, to say yes. 
And whether that's to give me a chance, you know, whether it's in sales or it's to basically get people who said, I don't know if I can achieve this dream. I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I have the ability to, I don't know if I have it all figured out, but just get them to say yes, not only once, but twice again and again and again. And that's, that's really my magic in my business. That's the magic in my life is that really the more I try to only not only practice that skill, but more importantly, just lean into what comes naturally to me. That's when I find I'm happiest. That's when I'm more fulfilled. And ultimately, that's when I'm finding more success. Yeah, you do. You do have that. You have such a natural, like magical energy of making people feel like they can. Like, I always feel so good when I talk to you. And it's funny you say that about getting out of trouble because I was that way too. And I feel like I think for different reasons, we're probably like, I'm really good at sales calls. Like I'm really good at sales calls and I don't try and sell. Right. Like, yeah, like you probably are too, but it's like a different type of energy because neither of us are the type of people that are like, we don't bully anyone into doing anything. We're just naturally good at getting people excited and getting them to believe in themselves. Well, that you can see that in you so often. I mean, every time I have a conversation with you, right? I mean, there's not this, you know, sometimes I think we try to label these things, right? You know, we call them sales or we call them persuasion or we call them influence. Somebody wants to do it. But there are just people that have an it quality about them. And that doesn't mean that it's only about getting people to buy in just like you do so easily. But it's, as you said, it's that people just instantly feel like they can A, gravitate towards you. And B, I think with you specifically, and this is what I feel most times is people want to feel safe. You know, at the end of the day, when people succeed, it's not because they're in this high risk or high stress situation. They succeed because they feel safe. And I know that's what you do. I mean, whether it's this podcast or the clients you're working with, I mean, every time we talk, it's like, I'm in my, I'm in my happy place here with Christina. (laughs) Me there. And that's just, and that's, that's a gift. It's a pure gift. And when you recognize that gift that you have as you do, man, it just allows you to just be free and be you instead of trying to figure out what technique this is or what skill or what I have to learn. So I'm, I'm glad that you recognize that as well. I appreciate that so much. And this is, this, see, this is it. You're doing it right now. You're, you're buttering me up, but you also mean it, which makes me want to say yes. <laughs> so that, that's it. No, I love that. I love that. Well, and I, I'm curious, like when it started, you're fir- you've built multiple, very successful businesses, your first business. Tell us about what that was and how that went. Yeah, I always like to go back even before because I think that you and I both can, and everybody who's listening, I mean, people are probably on listening to this that are solopreneurs all the way to people that are doing multiple seven figures business. But we always love to say, listen, it wasn't easy at the beginning. And the first, before my first very successful business, I had three businesses that failed, that bombed, that crashed. And obviously the biggest thing is like, we all got to learn from our mistakes and wherever you are on your journey. Listen, I mean, I always tell people, you know, one of my next mistakes might be a seven figure loss in my business. And thankfully I'm at a place where I could actually handle that if that happened today. But at the same time, I don't want it to happen. And I don't think any of us want to fail, but we got to learn from them. And the very first thing that I would tell anybody and what I learned instantly was that for those couple years where I failed, I was just trying to do everything everybody said I should do. I got to build the funnel. I got to build this. I got to build that. I got to do this. I got to get PR. I got to like, it was all the stuff that everybody told me I should do. Instead of just, as we kind of just said, it's like, well, what do I want to do? What, what am I good at? Like what, what comes naturally to me? 
And that was the moment that it instantly everything kind of changed for me. And at the time there, I was just, you know, I was kind of just doing a little bit of like life coaching. I had like, you know, all these different little like projects. I was actually working with a bunch of professional athletes on mindset training. Um, and then all of a sudden I had this idea that there were so many people that I was working out at this gym and this CrossFit. And I just, is we are both like a no health nuts in a lot of ways. And I remember I was watching this personal trainer and you could just tell like he was trying to motivate his class. He didn't know, like he was just trying to, he's like, come on, hustle, work harder. And you could just see the, the that expression on it. Like, oh my gosh, I don't want to do it anymore. Oh my gosh, I hate this. Oh my gosh, this. And you know, I just went up to him. I said, hey, how's it going? He's like, he's like, Alex, I'm just getting really frustrated. I'm very frustrated by the fact that there are certain people I feel like I can motivate and get them to lose weight and keep it off. And there's other people that's just like, they lose a few pounds and they gain a few pounds and they lose a few pounds and they gain a few pounds. And that was when it hit me that there are these gym owners and these trainers and these people that just did not know how to communicate effectively with their clients to not only help them lose weight, they clearly have the skill and the tools and the knowledge to help them, but they didn't know how to communicate in a way to actually get them to buy in and to continue to work through it. So that's when I started Overcoming Obstacle, which was really a, a mindset program that was designed for the trainers and designed for the gym owners to help them communicate with their clients so that they not only help them to lose weight, but to help them effectively stay at that. And we actually got that in, what was the number? I think 1,500 gyms. It was like a membership site. We had about 45,000 clients that were on the membership and we kind of supported those trainers and their clients through this whole program before we sold the business. And that was the first business that I sold. And obviously that's kind of helped launch, you know, the rest of my career at that point. It's that time of year when I am overloading on Four Sigmatic. I have been drinking Four Sigmatic elixirs for almost five years now. They are a daily staple. And if you have not yet harnessed the magic of functional mushrooms. I cannot recommend Four Sigmatic enough because they make drinking mushrooms and superfoods delicious and easy to do. All you have to do is add one of their packets to hot water. You can add it to a smoothie. Another recipe, you can put some nut milk in there and make a delicious latte, but they taste delicious. They're all tested for pesticides, heavy metals, irradiation, mycotoxins, and other factors. They're all made from certified organic mushrooms and they taste amazing. You'll notice the best results if you drink these daily. I mean, yes, they taste delicious, but they also have really incredible health benefits. For example, chaga is great for supporting the immune system. It has really powerful antioxidant properties. So I'm always doubling up on chaga at this time of year. It's actually the first Four Sigmatic product I ever fell in love with. I love cordyceps for days when I need a natural energy boost and I don't want any caffeine. It gives you steady energy without any crash. Also great if you are working out and need a little extra, a little extra oomph. The lion's mane I love to use to support my cognition, to support my memory and concentration. Great for long work days. And the reishi is a nightly staple, really helps to reduce stress and get you ready to go to sleep. And at this time of year, I am drinking their mushroom hot cacao mix with reishi pretty much every day because I love that it has the reishi benefits and it's like hot chocolate and you can literally just add water. You can add nut milk if you want it to be a little bit thicker, but it winds me down before bed, tastes delicious, and it's like the perfect nighttime dessert or midday. 
And on days when I do want a little extra caffeine, I love Four Sigmatic's mushroom coffee mix. It's coffee without the jitters. There's only 50 milligrams of caffeine per serving. This doesn't give me jitters the way other coffees do. And it also has the functional mushrooms added in for those added health benefits. And I also love their matcha latte mix as well on days when I'm looking for a matcha. So if you want to try out any of my favorite products or any other products from Four Sigmatic, then definitely look around the website. Now's the time of year to stock up. I have a whole bin of Four Sigmatic. You can head to foursigmatic.com slash CRW and my code CRW will get you 15% off. Again, that's foursigmatic.com, F-O-U-R-S-I-G-M-A-T-I-C.com and my code CRW will get you 15% off. I love talking to you because we have such different methods of, you know, business. Like I'm very like Instagram grassroots, right? <laughs> and you're like, you're like, oh, gee, you actually know what you're doing. <laughs> um, and, you know, at that, that like the way you run your business, it's you know reaching so many people. If somebody's starting off with more of a like, uh, boutique style business and then growing and scaling from there. And then now they're ready to open themselves up to reach a lot more people. Like w- what, what would you tell them in terms of what are the best strategies for really getting your name or product or service out there? And like, how do you really open yourself up to that many more people? Yeah. And I think the first thing that everybody, the word that everybody needs to learn is the word. Yes. As much as we hear the word of saying, say no to this, say no to that that we forgot the word yes. And what I mean by that simply is, do you have something that is so good and so easy for someone to say yes to? And if you don't, whether it's a lead gen product, whether it's your actual own product, whatever it is, if you really like feel like you have to like convince people, you have to get them to buy in, if you have to really like work hard, it's gonna be hard to get them to say yes. And that's gonna be a struggle business. So when I actually started that the overcoming obstacles business and sold it, here was how we set it up. We set it up very simply. We said, listen, this membership for your gym is free. It is a free tool. And also we are going to give you a five mile non-compete radius for it. So literally what it means is like, you don't have to pay for it. You don't have to do anything for it. And we're going to actually send you all the marketing materials, which cost us like 40 bucks, which is basically a sign. And we just want to be able to email your clients once a month with a free live training for them to join. That's it. And we're also going to provide you the tools and better way to communicate with your staff, things you can give away for free, et cetera. So for the gyms, it was an easy yes. Then as a result, we got to pick our clients. And that was the beauty of it, right? So we didn't get to say, oh, thank goodness, we got this gym over here. No, no, we're saying, okay, we need to find ones that have like 300 to 500 members. The members should be paying about 150 to $250 per month. Like we knew our demographic really well. So the first thing, and the biggest and most important thing I tell every single person I ever work with, whether it's in born elite or private clients is, is every single piece, a step that a prospect to a client goes through, is it such an easy yes for them? And if it's not, that's your bottleneck. And that's the part of your business you got to start working on right now. So what do you find is the bottleneck for most people? Like, do you see something pretty common? 
leads. Everybody, 99% of businesses tell me leads. Like, oh, I got a lead gen problem. I got a lead gen problem. Alex, I need a I need a lead gen system. Alex, please, if I have a lead gen system, it'll make everything better. And you know, the funny thing is, is that I think that's always going to be a problem for most businesses. So the first thing I say is like, what if lead gen is going to be a problem for the rest of your business life, but you can still succeed? And most people like think that they're like, well, how's that even possible? That doesn't even make sense. Well, the way I, I talk to people is like, forget the system, forget the actual step-by-step, forget the funnel, forget everything about that. Just ask yourself, look at your prospect and what is the one thing that they really absolutely want? And are you willing to give it to them for free? So most bigger businesses that when they do these analytics will say they spend roughly $500 to $5,000 just to get a client aware of their business. Which means that if you're going to think about that, if you don't have five hundred to five thousand dollars just to become a, get a client aware of your business, then you've got to be smarter, and you've got to be smarter in terms of what you can actually provide to them. That is something they so desperately want and so desperately need. So I'll give I'll give you a perfect example. So my born a lead, we've shifted really to really teaching our clients how to build more of a group leadership model because I really truly believe that one on one work is killing a lot of coaches and consultants and entrepreneur people in this world. But I know a lot of people still want one-on-one leads. So one of the things we're actually doing is like, hey, listen, what if we gave you an entire free course that most people would pay $2,000 for, for free to show you how to build a one-on-one business where you can have up to 30 or 40 one-on-one clients if that's what you want. And it's helped you can build a $200,000 business. That's great. And we're happy to get that way because most people want that. They really want to know how do you actually set up a business like that? Because a lot of our clients, before they get to our level, are trying to get to that one-on-one level. They're trying to get to that next level. Because here's the thing. We know once they get that business, we truly know that you know, for better or for worse, no matter how much I want to tell them, you just start with a group model right now. Start with leading groups right now. Most still think that one-on-one works the easiest thing to do. So we give that away. And I know for us, it's probably going to generate 20 to 30,000 leads because most people want to know how to do that. And we are happy to give that away because we know in the end, they're going to want to know how to build a group model. They're going to want to know how to lead groups. So ultimately, it's going to be a win-win for them because they'll have a business to be able to afford something that we provide and ultimately really achieve that dream of what they want in their business. Okay. I love this. And I want to talk more about your opinion on group versus one-on-one. I know we've talked about this before in the context of my own business as you know, I've shifted a lot of things and I, I want you to speak more to why you're a big fan of group over one-on-one. This is going to be a very, for everybody that's doing one-on-one work, I hope this doesn't break your heart, but I believe <laughs> the reason that most entrepreneurs and business leaders crash and die and why there's a greater than 90% failure rate in the entrepreneur world is because of one-on-one work. Every time I look at somebody, whether they are struggling, they're struggling because they come to me and saying, Alex, I can't even get people on a strategy call. I can't even get people on a sales call. Like I'm working so hard to do that. Or I get the other side where you have the charismatic, they were great, they built this incredible one-on-one business, And they're coming to me and saying, Alex, I don't even know how to get out of this. I literally want to give all the money back because I can't do this work. I got some clients that love me, some clients that hate me. I can't seem to give anybody my A effort there. And I feel like I'm just running around with my head cut off. And the problem is, is that when you try to actually do both, 
then the reality is, meaning that if you're struggling to get it, you're going to continue to struggle because you haven't figured out how to do strategy calls. You haven't figured out that sales model, and it's going to take you so long to do it. And if you're at a point where you're just overbooked and stressed and you just can't take on any more clients and you literally don't like the work that you're doing, ultimately what's going to happen is the leader is going to die. And when the leader in the business dies, the business dies. It's just how it works. It's why heck, call it born a lead because at the end of the day, I think leadership is the most important thing. Mm. So at the so that's why I'm shifting it, not only because of my own personal experience and almost potentially quitting, just because I had 37 one-on-one clients. And while I loved each and every one of them, I also just hated my life. I hated the, where it was going. I wasn't really building the dream I want. And I also, and this is, you, you got me on a rant, Christina, man, you got a good question. <laughs> you got me on a rant. So here's the other thing. Most people that get into this world, you don't want to be the private tutor or the personal trainer. You got into this to make an impact and make a difference to lead. We talked about being misfits. So if you're really just building a one-on-one practice, guess what? You're not using your natural talent, which is the lead and make a difference. That's why I'm a huge proponent of the group model. What, however you build, it doesn't have to be group coaching. It can be so many different models. And I think that's the beauty of it. Yeah. I mean, I very much agree with you. I think I, you know, I don't know if you feel the same, but personally, I feel like when people are starting, I think they should be doing a one-on-one model because I think I see a lot of people hop into group. Like they've never had a business before they hop into group and they don't know, especially I'm talking about my demographic more Mm -hmm. of like, they don't even know really how to coach people and they feel so nervous to talk to a group. And so I think it's super helpful to get that experience and then start to expand. And I do have some clients who, you know, usually the trajectory is like getting some experience and then moving to group, but I have some clients who just love that one-on-one. And I feel like some people having a blend works really well, but then it's like the level to which you want to expand your business, right? Because you have a cap on your time if you're doing one-on-one. And so if you really do want to reach more people, moving into groups makes more sense. And I was in the, I mean, I've been in the same situation that you're talking about. Like we've talked about how I'm like, I love my clients, but I'm drowning. I'm drowning because it's so much time and I can be speaking to a lot more people at once with the same information. So I think there are like caveats within that for me personally. And there's always rules. I mean, like, you know, I mean, I only, this year I only took on, I said, I said, when I started 2020, I said, I'm only going to take on 10 one-on-one clients mm-hmm. next year. I'm going to cut it down to five. And I'm sure there, there's always something nice to have some one-on-one work because there's something that's really cool to get really deep into yeah. somebody's work and stuff like that. Um, and so the, always the pushback I have people saying like, well, you need some one-on-one and, and listen, at the end of the day, the beauty of this is you need to design it, what you feel like is working for you. And I think that's the point is like, if you want to build a whole one-on-one practice, awesome. Great. I just found time and time again, those that really build a very successful one-on-one practice, they're just not satisfied. Mm-hmm. And ultimately then they're, they're kind of stuck to the clock. And most people got out of the job world because they didn't want to be stuck to the clock. They didn't want to be stuck. I can remember like I had, a, it was a Friday and I had a one-on-one call at 2 p.m. And then another one at 6 p.m. And I'm like, what am I going to do? Like, I've got like a call at 6 p.m. <laughs> on a Friday night. Like, what am I doing here? Like, and like, I'm just like, well, maybe I should just stay in the office and just do some work on the website. And it was just busy work to get away. But I think that's okay. what happens. You just realize like, you're like, oh my gosh, like I could just enjoy my Friday or I could do something different or I could, oh my gosh, reach more people. So that's one of the reasons why I always tell people that, you know, a group is the way that most people want to go. And mm-hmm. I think also at the end of the day, 
it's harder to do a group, but it's also easier once you actually understand that you're meant to lead. Like once you actually understand some of those key components of leading, you'll realize that you know, group is, it's kind of more fun. And honestly, it could actually be better for the client if done right. Totally. And I think for me, I had that experience where I used to be really anti-groups. Like I never wanted to be in a group. I always wanted one-on-one because I always felt like I'm teaching the rest of the group. If I'm in a group, I don't want to be in the group, you know, or I felt like it wasn't getting enough attention. Uh, and then same with coaching people. I just felt like I can get so much deeper one-on-one. I was very anti-group. And then I did actually for me, a lot of like energetic work and opening up. And now I'm like the total opposite. I'm like, let's like, when you're, when you have a good group experience, you realize how powerful it is, how the energy can be and how deep you can really go. And I think a lot of different fears come up for people around switching from, you know, one-on-one to more of a group model. And I, I'd be curious to hear what, what fears come up with some of your clients who are making that switch. Well, I think most, the biggest fear usually is if they can do it and mm. how to do it. Most people think that actually building a one-on-one business is easier. I think that's the first fear. They think, well, if I want to get started, it's going to be easier to get one-on-one work because I can customize it. I don't have to pick a niche. I don't have to pick exact focus. And think about all those words as you and I both know, like when you don't have, when you're too loose with your business model, when you're too loose with what you're offering, when you're too loose with this. And I think that's what happens with most people when they do one-on-one. They don't actually want to get hyper-focused because they want to be able to do everything for everyone at all the same times. But the reality is, is most people that don't really know what you're about. They don't know what you represent. They don't know actually how you can serve them. And at the end of the day, we got to be relevant to the people that we want to serve. And if we're not being at least, I'm not saying be niche, but hyper-focused enough so people actually get what you do, get what you're about and get how you can help them. Then at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if you're doing one-on-one in a group or course or however, whatever money decided, it's going to be hard. And I think that's where most one-on-one practitioners fail. So that's the first fear, I think, is that it's actually easier to build a group model because the second thing is when you actually are doing one-on-one work, what do most people really want to do when they actually decide to do one-on-one work? Well, they want to talk to the person. And so you have to sit down and have a strategy call and you have to sit down and sell and you have to sit down and explain it. And so there's so much more work to do it. And typically people like Christina and myself, we kind of like to go above and beyond for our clients. So it's not just a, a one-on-one session. It's like, okay, well, let me do something on the back end. And then you do an extra 30 or 45 minutes of work because you're building them a worksheet or building them a template or you're sending them an email or you're answering a voice message or you're making an introduction. I mean, so at the end of the day, your one-on-one work really starts to add up before you realize it, no matter, even if you're only selling session by session. But the biggest fear that I want to make sure, I hope I squash for people is that because we're so impact-driven, because we're so heart-driven, we're worried that the client isn't going to get the result without our specific touch and attention. Like if I can't go in there and dissect and do this and do all these pieces, then the client may not be successful. Then I'm going to feel guilty. Like it was my fault. Like I stole money from them. That was my big fear for a long time of saying like, I don't know if I want to do just, I want to do one-on-one work more and versus the group. And here's actually what we found. Time and time again, most people want three things. They want the how-to, right? They want to know literally how you do it. They want support. They want to feel supported through the process. And they want to feel accountable. Like they want somebody to say, what are you doing? Are you doing the right things, et cetera? And if you really set up the group model, right? The way I think about it is you don't want to just like, it's not about group coaching. It's about a team of clients. 
people that are actually not just there because they want to just grow their business, but they're there because they have a similar mission, a similar vision, a similar purpose, and they have a similar heart set. And so when you actually set it up the right way and you set up the communication the right way, yes, you can teach the how-to, but so can your clients. Hmm. Yes, you can do the support, but so can your clients. Yes, you can do the accountability, but so can your clients. So as a result, the number of clients you have, if done right, basically exponentially increases the impact it's going to have on that one person. So those are the two fears I see time and time again. But I hope this hope for anybody that's been thinking about it or just digesting it or contemplating it. I hope these kind of help squash those fears because I'm telling you, if you're thinking about it, it already tells me right now that you have, and I believe this, a genetic piece of you that says you were born elite. And I'm telling you, you just need to go for it. You're the best. I I love you so much. And like, I just, oh, I love it. Well, and I think like that last one was a huge fear for me. And I think a lot of people feel that way. But to your point, when you do it right, it works really, really well. And sometimes even better. I mean, I know I've had some clients who they start off on one-on-one and I'm like, I think you're going to get a better result in a group. Like you're, especially with those other like-minded people with, you know, a similar trajectory viewpoint. It's so, so helpful. And something I wanted to ask you about, because I get a lot of questions about this is membership models. And these are becoming more and more popular. And I think for a while, they're kind of, they were kind of like, no one really knew what the hell they were doing. And it was very hit or miss, (laughs) but I know you have a lot of experience in this area. So I would love to hear from you with the membership models, what do you find are like some of the big mistakes people make and what's helpful to think about if somebody wants to have a successful membership model? Yeah. The, the, here's the biggest mistake I see most people make. They make the membership commitment too short. Mm. And that seems so counterintuitive because people are like, well, if I want to give them like a month to month membership and they can cancel anytime and, you know, like I do it all these ways, then what, here's what happens, right? I mean, very rarely do people get these incredible results in like a week or two weeks? And I'm not saying people don't, but it's very rarely that what you want to teach them, what you want them to learn, there's just so much they got to actually take in before they can actually really start implementing it and quote unquote, getting those mastery skills. So one of the first things I tell people is, is you want to make your membership long enough. So not only do they have a chance to learn it, but they also have a chance to implement and also get the results going there. And the typical recommendation I have from most people is a six-month membership commitment. And typically within that time, that gives people about three months to really learn and digest and kind of get acquainted to the group. And it also gives them three months to really implement and get some tremendous results. And I think that you and I are in the similar mindset that whatever anybody invests in, you know, when people talk about TEDx and I'm not, I don't want to talk about numbers. I just want people to go like, I want them to have that holy crap moment. Mm-hmm. I just, I just look at, look at the result I have. So there's, and there's another reason. Let me tell the business side of this, because one, you want your clients to succeed. This is going to give your clients not only a chance to succeed, but now they're going to be so committed. They're going to want to stick with you. And I tell people the membership models and the group models I've made in my own businesses in my own life, we have a retention rate of 64%, which is unheard of in the coaching world. Mm-hmm. And why is that? Because most people are trying to rush them through six week and 12 week programs there that at the end of the program, somebody's like, I feel so overwhelmed. I feel like this, I feel like that. And like, I just, I, I got to take some time to actually implement it. 
So what happens is when you actually extend it long enough, you keep your clients longer, which is going to increase your lifetime value that you're going to get from somebody. And the best part, drum roll, your referrals go up exponentially because they're in the program longer. You have a chance to build a better relationship with them. They feel more committed. You get cool gear like the one I'm sporting right now. They feel like they're more part of that tribe. And ultimately, then you have this organic marketing piece that you just literally by getting that one client, if you do it right, you should actually get four new clients from that one client that you just signed up for your membership model. So that's the biggest mistake I see most people make. And I still see it to this day, even from the big players who are calling me day in and day out saying, why is this not working for me, Alex? That's one of the first things we change. So how do you balance that with your previous advice of give them an offer they can't refuse? Like it it seems so obvious because what if somebody's thinking, well, what if the potential client customer is like six months? That seems like a lot. I just want to try it out. So most people actually, the first, here's a couple of ways to do it. So number one, the first thing I tell people is like, if you're putting in the price, like, is it six months and the price is so high? So for example, is your six month model, like something where it's like, it's six months and it's 30, 40, 50,000 and your client's barely making six figures. I mean, they're going to be like, there's, there's no way. Mm-hmm. Right. So one of the first things I know it's going to shock people is like, you should put it at a price model that is so easy for them to say, yes, they're going to go, oh, that's not bad at all. They're going to literally say, oh, really? I was thinking it was going to be more. So I, and that seems counterintuitive what most people are teaching. And it's honestly counterintuitive to what I used to teach. I used to say, hey, go as high as you can and possibly can there. But the reason you do that is number one, you want to make it easy for them to say yes. And number two is that you want them to make it easy for them to tell other people to get on board and come into the program there. So the price in mind, I'm not saying you have to go like super low. I'm not saying you have to go like so cheap, but more often than not, you're trying to create value. You're trying to create that as again, easy yes. So the length, you get to teach them say, listen, we're giving you this amount of time to not only just learn it, but implement it where most programs are going to say, hey, you only got 12 weeks to get this all done. And it's a higher price than what you're charging. So it's actually more often an easier yes for people just because of that model there. longer and a little bit cheaper. And here's the Mm -hmm. second thing that I always like to share because people are like, well, is that going to hurt your cash flow? Is that going to hurt this? Is that going to hurt that? Well, there's two things that happen. Number one, you start, if you maintain what we think is the goal is 50% retention, which means every single six months or 12 months, depending on how you set it up, it means you start with that dollar account in your bank. So imagine going to every single year. So like next year, I think my business will be going with at least like $500,000 in the bank without having to to lift up another finger, without having to attract another client. Mm -hmm. That creates security. That allows me to build a better budget, which ultimately allows me to go out even harder to build the group model, to build the business in ways that, you know, are just, you know, what I feel is right for me. Okay. I love this. And you know what I think? (laughs) I love talking to you because just the way you think about things, it's so just like, let me look over here instead of being right here. And this is something else I wanted to ask you about is kind of your opinion between, I I feel like there are distinct differences between like six figure mindset, seven figure mindset, eight figure mindset and beyond. And I would love for you to kind of share your experience with that. So people can, you know, kind of understand how the differences in in the way they're viewing their business themselves, like showing up is different depending on, you know, correlating with how much money you're, you're bringing in. Yeah. 
it's always, it's three words, or I shouldn't say three words, but there's words for each one. When I think of somebody that says, I'm a six-figure person, I think of hustle and grind and sweat it out <laughs> and doing every single thing. Almost every single six-figure person I know is talking about how many programs they have to build. I got to build this program. I got to build this program. I got this idea. And I got all these things going on there. And they're talking about how they get up at 7 a.m. and they work till 7 p.m. And, oh, my gosh, there's a, a late podcast they have to do. And, oh, my gosh, they want to build this. And, oh, my gosh, they're trying to figure this out. And if they don't hit every single number, they're not going to get that six figures. Six-figure people try to run an A-plus business to achieve six figures. And that seems so counterintuitive to so many of us that are high achievers. I know you have that high achiever attitude, and I know I do as well. So there's this idea like we got to hit A plus in everything. Okay? When I hit six figures, and when I see a lot of my clients that had hit six figures or, or people that were in six figures, a lot of times their business is operating at the maximum effort that the leader can give, and they're at six figures. That's going to ultimately, number one, be good, right? But number two, basically, you are now, I love to say, you're a doctor. Doctors work hundreds of hours a week, and I know most doctors that, and I, I, they do amazing work in the world. But I know most doctors wish they didn't have to work so much to make the living they had. That's a six-figure person. A seven-figure person, I find, has these two words: they have alignment and resonance. If done right, meaning they can still do a lot of the hustle and grind. I'm not saying they should, but they can. But they ultimately find that they are they know exactly which lane they should be. They actually cut back on a lot of stuff, but they're still, but they're really much more in alignment with the type of people they end up wanting to work with there. They end up more focused on, you know, what feels right to them. They're probably still hustling. They're probably still grinding a little too much. But ultimately, that seven-figure person is starting to kind of figure out, hey, I don't have to be like an A plus to achieve a seven-figure business. They end up I like to think of them as like B plus players. They really like to think like, I'm working hard, but I don't want to do it all by myself. I'm working hard, but I don't want to do this anymore. So I'm going to give that to somebody. That's a seven figure person. Now the eight figure people, the eight figure people that are fulfilled and happy and content and have built the business they really love. The word is intuition, which I know you love. <laughs> and I know you, because you're going to love this word. So it's intuition. And what it means is they simply trust. They don't always have to go to the numbers. They don't always have to go to the data. They don't feel like they have to do anything, everything. In fact, they say no a lot to what they're supposed to do and give it to somebody else to figure out. They are so much more focused on not being just the leader. They want to be a leader in the business and ultimately find other people who are going to lead other aspects of the business and ultimately build a business what they really wanted for themselves. And that's to me where the eight figure really separates themselves from other people. And I can tell you being that person that you know, has gone from zero to six to seven to eight and all the way back down and up again and back down. I tell people that the biggest question that I know people don't ask me that I feel like I want to share with your audience is that, can you have an eight figure mindset when you're not an eight figure earner? That's the most common question. And the answer is yes and no. Yes, you can start to really create intuition and start following your gut and start really taking those chances without trying to have all the data and all the coaches and everybody telling you what it is. 
But the one thing you've got to really start to work on at that point typically is that you're going to have to work hard because you still got to get your name out. You still got to get your brand out. You still got to get your 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 reputation out there. There are some things that are just, you can't skip some steps. But mm. the one step you can step is not to be hustle-minded, not to be grind-minded. You can be intuitive-minded right now, and that's going to serve you much better and help you get much faster to eight figures than just trying to stay in that hustle and grind mode. I love that so much. And I, I love that you said that because I think, you know, I talk a lot about like following your intuition and being in alignment with your business and it makes it go so much easier. But I think people then sometimes think, oh, I can just sit on a pillow and meditate and be in alignment. And it's, and it's like, no, I mean, I feel like you have to kind of earn the right to, to chill a bit and outsource things, right? You still have to do, do some work, but I, I, everything you were saying about comparing six, seven, eight figure mindset resonates so much with me. Like, uh, yeah, it's, I'm like, I'm at seven. Right. And I'm like, right in the middle that you're talking about. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I see that. It's so, it's so interesting. It's so counterintuitive because people think they need to work harder. And I think it's interesting that we live in a culture that's so hustle, go, go, go grind. And I'm like, how much is this keeping people down? (laughs) Yeah. It's keeping everybody down. And honestly, I, I will say this. I've met, I've been around billionaires and some of these, you know, and I like, this is, you know, we've talked about this, right? That's why I love our, our background. Like I grew up on a farm. Like this is, I was not supposed to, I'm not supposed to be at this point in my life. I grew up on a humble farm. I literally this weekend was picking up like thousand pound rocks with my dad. And like I probably like, I scratched my arms all over the place there. Like I'm just, I'm a farmer's boy at heart. So it's not like, I'm like, oh, like I came from this, you know, uh, of money or I came from this like lavish experience. So a lot of this had to be learned, but I will tell you something like being around billionaires and really rich people and listening to the talk, they, there's, I think there's sometimes they don't even want to share that. They don't want people to know. And I think the reason why is that in some ways, if somebody is hustling and grinding in 60 and 70 hours a week, like here's the, I got this question from a prospect today. They're saying, they said that how I got to really focus on my funnel. I got to really focus on this <laughs> webinar. I got to really get this script down. And I'm like, why? Like, why are you so focused on that? I mean, you're doing so great on these other things. Like, I just read that you got, if you get this webinar right, you're going to have this seven figure business and everything is going to come down to this webinar. And I'm like thinking to myself, I don't know. I first and foremost, I've only done like two webinars in my life there. And I've never like felt like I needed a webinar in order to build some business there. And I think that's the key. It's that listen, like if it's not easy, then it's probably not the right path for you. And I think that's where intuition comes in. It should be easy. It should be kind of natural to you. And this doesn't mean that you're not going to have tough moments. It just means that if you're really trying to, if you're hustling and grinding, chances are you're not in alignment with what your natural talents are. That's why you need to follow your intuition. And that's why it will always lead you to where you want to go. Yeah. I mean, preach. I feel that so hard. I feel like every time it's like, it doesn't make any sense, but I'm so in alignment. It just works out so easily. And every time I try and I've ever tried to force something and I do what I should, should do, I'm just grinding and it's not coming to me. And it's like, Oh, it can really flow this easily. 
every time, right? It's every time. And we still, you know, and probably you and I can agree, but right? we still do it sometimes. Mm-hmm. We still like, oh, like, you know, if I get to just do this one thing and then you're like, mm-hmm. why am I doing this? Like, why am I? I can remember like my first business. I was, I had a podcast at the time. And I remember I was up to like midnight one night, like, I was like, I had enough people to afford an editor, but there I am like working on the, the, the editing and making sure the intro and the outro connected. And I'm like, I remember thinking like, it's like, it's 2am. Like, what am I doing? Like, why am I up so late doing this intro outro when I had like, at that time, I probably needed you at that point. I had like 10 people listening to my podcast and I'm like, what am I doing here? So um, I love yes, that. more power to you. What was your podcast about? It was called Self Made, the Self Made Podcast. And it was just really, it was one of those things I'm like, I heard somebody say, like, I, I just sold my business and I was like, okay, I'm going to start kind of working my way towards this personal brand. Like, cause like, I, now I'm in my life's work. You know, like, I always look at these other businesses. I'm so grateful to have those experiences, but it allowed me to really get into what my life's work is today. But somebody said, hey, Alex, you're personable. You should do a podcast. And I'm thinking to myself, yeah, maybe I should do a podcast there. And at that time, I know I, you know, I was uh, talking with Lewis Howes and he's like, yeah, you should do a podcast, Alex. I think it'd be great. And so I'm like, great, I'll do this podcast. And I had all these <laughs> photo shoots and everything like that. I'm like, I'm gonna call it a self-made podcast. I had no direction, no clear thing. I was just doing like two episodes a week. And, and then after like a hundred episodes, I'm like, want to do what am i doing here like, why am i doing this there so i so i just literally, i literally stopped it so um so i think there's something to be said there like it's okay to quit something if it's not serving you mm-hmm. is it still up i'm pr- i'm sure it is i still have that libsyn like data. yeah i'm sure it's up there so i should have searched I, was, for it. it it probably is if you type alex coon self-made it probably is up there but what's so funny is i remember the last episode um you appreciate this and there was a, a guest that came on and just like, you know, the 99, that's why I love how you started the show. Cause it's so different. Like, like I just like, so tell me about yourself. So, and this guest, I kid you not talked for 55 minutes straight about how we got started. And I'm like, well, you said it all. I, the, the show, and I was like, I had no idea what to do. So I'm like, okay, well I, I'm done with this. I can't do this anymore. So. I, I can relate to that. I'm very, it's interesting. I mean, when I first started podcasting, I would just let people do that. And now I'm like, it needs to be a conversation because otherwise I get bored. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's probably the worst thing as a host. You're like, oh gosh, like, so wait, this is going to be a, how long of a show? Like, oh my gosh. Exactly. And that, that was a sad thing. You're right. It wasn't even a good story. It was like a really good story. It was like, oh, okay. This is great. Now, I want to go find it. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. You please. crack me you, up. You'll know. It's literally the longest episode. Cause I was like, I'm going to keep them 30 minutes, but this one's like, I'm like, what am I going to do with this episode there? And I was <laughs> like, I was like, I don't even know if I can cut it. So yeah, it was just like, all right, well I'm, I'm done with this anyway. So there, there it is. So. I am for sure going to go see if I can find that, but it's like the best story I've heard. And I could just imagine you because you're so like nice. I'd probably cut someone off and be like, okay, please stop. You're too nice to do that. Uh, So I'm definitely going to look for that, but you know, I don't want to let you go without me asking you about being a leader, you know, and you, you build leaders, you develop leaders, you help leaders. And I want to know for me, like, what does that mean to you to be a leader? Mm. 
I've got this definition before and, you know, that, that was somebody asked me about what my definition was. And I actually was like saying, wow, I, I'm, am I at a point where people are going to ask me my definition of leadership? And honestly, I feel kind of like embarrassed. I'm like, I don't know if I'm the person that says like, what does a leader mean to me? And if that means something, but the way I always describe it is very simply this. It's that somebody is doing something in their own zone of genius to impact other lives. And that's all leadership is to me. So much of the conversations focus on you need to be a servant leadership or you need to have authoritative leadership or the idea, are leaders born or they're made? Or you know, we're getting to this idea that we have to label what a leader actually has to be. And I think you and I as misfits know we don't want to be labeled. We don't want to be like, oh, I, I'm this person, this type of leader. Like leaders are just leaders. And every one of us has a unique talent and gift to impact lives. And I think at the end of the day, if you really ask people who they respect in leaders, so often you'll hear the words, they were honest. Like I trusted them. They were a person of integrity. Like I felt like what they were saying, they actually did the work to actually say what they mean. And finally, this was a person of courage. Like they took a chance on me. They took a chance on this vision. They took a chance and just went for it. And time and time again, those people tend to stay in their own talent strengths and they tend to really have an impact-minded heart. So simply, mm. that's what I look at as a leader time and time again. Mm. I love that. And I feel like for me, I have led with how can I show up as a leader over like, how can I build a business? And the business was built as a byproduct. Yeah. Every time. Yeah. Every time. And you can see it in you. Like, seriously, every time <laughs> I see it, it's like, you know, we sometimes, you know, the question I always get is like, you know, cause my company's born a lead. So I get the people that are real, like the academics and they're like, <laughs> Well, do you mean that not everybody can be a born leader? I was on a podcast, so that's maybe that's why I'm like, I probably shouldn't say that, but it's very academic. So he wanted to really get into like the definitions and all this stuff. But to me, when I'm talking about born to lead, all I mean is that you got to find the way that works best for you to lead and then work on that style to ultimately impact the lives that you want to go. And that's mm -hmm. why I see it in you, Christina, and obviously the people that are in our mastermind and groups. Like you can just see, we all have different strengths and all have different talents and all have different ways, but there is number one, everybody's got that gift. You can just see it. You can just see it in that person there. Just like I see it in you, just like we see it in the other members, just like we talked about, we see it in Abby, like they've just got, they've got the gift factor. Mm -hmm. and it's not always the same. They just have it. And then the second thing is they want to lead. They want to impact. They want to serve. And some of that, I think it can come from experience, but I think more often than not, you just find people just like. I, you know, I, I always love to give a shout out to my little guy there, you know, who's 21 months and he loves to go help his mom. He loves to help my wife. He wants to go and put the dishes away. He wants to go clean up the, the kitchen. He wants to go clean the floors. Like he just has that. It, it wasn't like I said, Hey, go do it. He just does it. And I mm -hmm. think people either have that or don't have that desire to make a difference in people. So, and those are the people I think you and I always want to surround ourselves with. Yeah. I mean, that's true. And what do you think is helpful in developing leadership skills. This is something that I've talked about in my business group before. And people talk about like, like stepping into being a leader and they know they're supposed to be a leader and they are like, I don't know, they have fears coming up. Who am I to be this person? And like stepping into that and developing that. Yeah. The first thing I always say is that you've got to find what makes you successful and call, I call it success DNA, but very simply is that Sometimes we, when we think of leaders, we do think of that label. 
oh, I'm not the charismatic person, or I'm the introvert, or I, you know, I don't have the communication skills that a leader requires. But at the end of the day, you look at the people that are actually amazing leaders, and even, even in the business world. I mean, the people that we think of, you know, throughout time, a lot of them were not very charismatic. Some of the best leaders in the world are not these really charismatic motivators, you know, these people that like had this authoritative appearance. I mean, some of them were the, the biggest introverts you could imagine. So the first thing is you have to find what your own success style is. And I always break it down into these four types is that, are you a developer? Meaning that does it naturally come easy for you to just get the best out of people to whether you call it coaching, consulting, talking, counseling, is that just come naturally to you to just talk with people and get them to be better? Are you an architect? Is it easy for you to see people's plans, to see people's visions, to see these like, like a mess and be able to sequentially put it all together so that it all works? My wife is an architect. The third is a motivator, which is, I always say, like you and I just clearly have that. And it's that ability to just get people to buy in, whether it's a buy into your vision, to buy into your ideas, or to really, as we've talked about, to get the buy into themselves, to buy into their goals, to buy into their dreams, to say yes to themselves when this world is teaching people to say no to themselves. And then finally, the fourth is the visionary. And this is the one we think of as the holy grail. But really, all it is, is if you think of it as a skill, all a visionary is is they have the ability to anticipate what is coming up next. And there's some people that have a natural gift that there's no question, but all of these are a skill. And the challenge I have with every single leader is let's find your natural talent. Let's build your business organization around that natural gift with the right systems, with the right automations, with the right team, and also with the right clients. Once you have all those pieces together, you get to stay in your lane and ultimately really find that flow, find that alignment, find that resonance, find that place where you can really intuitively trust yourself. And ultimately, people will see you as a leader, whether you ever see yourself as a leader or not. I love that. And I think for a lot of people, having other people see them as the leader is what makes them believe it themselves. And I think those four different archetypes you laid out are really helpful for people and just seeing that within themselves. So I appreciate that. And this has been so great. I I want you to tell people a little bit more about uh, Born to Lead. So can you share a little bit more about that? Sure. And for anybody that's you know interested in we call it success DNA. So anybody that's listening, you know, obviously your your incredible audience, you know, listen, if anybody wants it, you can go to our website, Alex dash coon.com and we'll put Christina the channel and we'll actually give you the success DNA course. It's a $500 gift from me to you where you can actually find your own success DNA type and you can find your own leadership type. And we give you all the trainings to actually be able to cultivate that leadership style. So that's just from my team and I to you and your amazing audience. So um, just for having me on, but born to lead is very simply for those people who feel like they were called to lead and really make a difference in this business world. And I think you and I have talked about this, but this is kind of a, you know, this is not a pitch. This is actually a philosophy thing that's happening over the next decade and that there is a shift in leadership. And I think that everything we have seen over the past year from coronavirus to the election, and this is not to get into all those details of what you believe or not, but I believe there's a paradigm shift. And this is the time with everything that's happening, it's time for those leaders and it's time for the people that are listening here that when you've been called to do something, 
called to make a difference, when you're called to make an impact, when you've been called by your heart to do something worthwhile in this life, to actually change it for the better, it's time to rise. And that's what Born and Lead's all about. It's not only to help you find that leadership in you and to find the leader that you were born to be, but it's also to teach you the mechanism. Yes, you can build a six, seven, eight, nine, have, have even have a 10-figure business person that I'm working with. You, We can build it to as big as you want, but I'm not looking for just somebody who wants to make money. I'm not looking for just someone who really says, oh, you know, I just want to have just the, the easy road and just help me make money quick. No, no, I'm looking for those people that are looking to shift the paradigm because I'm here on this planet to leave a legacy and one that's going to be better for my son, as I know for many of you that have kids, to leave it better for your children as well. So if anybody is interested in it, again, we have the success team that's free to you. But if you're interested in joining that type of tribe, that type of team, that type of person, then Born Elite is a great place. I'm happy for you to check out and learn more of. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much for that. And I mean, I couldn't agree more. I keep saying, I'm like, look, I mean, I'm a more of a kick you in the butt kind of person than you. You're a lot nicer. Uh, I'm just like, I don't have time for y'all to sit back, like step up. Like I feel like right now is a crucial time <laughs> to step up if you're a leader and stop playing scared because I mean, to your point, I think there's a huge paradigm shift and we need people to help to serve, to lead for sure. So I'm I'm really excited about about everything and we'll put that link in the show notes for people and i just want to say thank you again so much this has been such a great conversation i love talking to you as always and i'm really excited for people to hear it i adore you christina you know that and we'll be blasting this all over my you know, social media channels but i really appreciate having me on thank you so much to alex for coming on the podcast and sharing so much wisdom he is amazing he is the kindest human I know and just such a leader such a leader so if you want to connect further with him you can find him on Instagram at Alex Kuhn Co or on his website alex-kuhn.com and make sure you check out his free gift all about success DNA if you enjoyed this episode make sure you take a screenshot and share it on social media tag me Christina the channel tag Alex we would be so grateful if you shared it and let us know if you're enjoying it And while you're on IG, you can get access to my private Instagram account, the channel crew, all the juicy stuff is on that page. And all you have to do to get access is take a screenshot of your iTunes rating and review and DM it to that account, the channel crew, and request to follow. And when I get that DM of the screenshot of your iTunes rating and review and your request, I can accept it and you will get access to the page. You can also connect with other podcast listeners in our free Facebook group, the channel crew. Just search that. I am going live about twice a week now. I love to connect with you guys. So I would love to see you there. Thank you again so much for tuning in. I appreciate it truly deeply. I hope you have an amazing rest of your day and I will chat with you again next episode.